Our scripture passage for our sermon comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, starting in verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. You may be seated. Pray with me. Merciful, gracious Father in heaven. We give you thanks for your word that is a light to our feet that guides us into true belief, that guides us into true maturity. I pray that your word would do its work in all of us this morning by the power of your spirit, like you say it will. We pray this in the name of Christ, amen. You know, uh, the truth that all of us probably recognize in this room is that when children grow, When children grow up, it doesn't take them long before they want to do everything on their own, right? Before they don't want any help. You know, once a child can start walking, they think they can go down the stairs uh, without any help, right? They want to do it themselves. And uh, they grow more and more independent. And this happens to children as they grow. They get more, eventually they bathe themselves. Eventually they feed themselves. uh, And eventually they, they dry themselves and they go on ice cream runs for the family, I'm looking, for that, looking forward to that day. And, uh, you know, these are all good and natural things until one day they, they move out and uh, they never move back in. You know, all good, healthy things. Uh, you know, just a quick side note. You know, when I was in St. Louis, everyone laughed at my bad jokes. So that's just some encouragement to you. It's okay to laugh at my bad jokes. It makes me feel good about myself. So, but th- this is what happens to children, right? They grow and they become more independent. And this is... Uh, Part of what it means, you might say, to mature, right? Maturity, at least to some degree, is to grow independent, to be able to stand on your own two feet, which again, is, this is not a, a wrong thing. I think the problem, though, is when we take this natural maturity and we apply it to what maturity and faith looks like. We apply it to what it means to, to be a, a mature Christian. And so when we think of what it means to grow in Christian maturity, we can assume that to be a mature Christian likewise means to be independent. Right? Maturity, in this sense, means needing help less. It means being strong. And so our models of what Christian maturity are people who exude strength and independence. And we aspire to be like them. And one of the things Jesus is putting before us this morning and his disciples is a different model for maturity. It's a surprising model for what it looks like to be mature in his kingdom. And, you know, whenever Jesus starts talking about the kingdom, we can have an idea that it's going to be backwards and upside down from everything that we can imagine in our, in our day-to-day life. It's just like the kingdom parables from chapter four, where everything was upside down and backwards, uh, unexpected here when he's talking about what it means to grow maturity in the kingdom. It's no different for us. His model is unexpected. And he tells us in order to grow up in the kingdom of God, we have to adjust our expectations of what model citizens are. That they're not the ones that are the most independent, but the ones that are the most dependent. 
And we have to understand what Christian maturity looks like and perhaps more pointed, Jesus is pointing out this morning that unless we do, we actually can't enter his kingdom. And so as we look at this text this morning, I'm just gonna ask two simple questions. The first is, what is Christian maturity? And the second is, how do we grow in Christian maturity? So first, what is this Christian maturity? How does Jesus define Christian maturity here? Well, before we can really get into that, to answer that question, we just have to look at some of the, the context. Look at verse 13. It says, And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. And so the image you should have in your mind about what's happening actually shouldn't be a mom walking up, you know, toddlers to see Jesus. In this context here, children likely means infant. Uh, the word here means infant, and it was not unusual for parents to want a rabbi to bless their, their infants, you know, around their days of circumcision. And this is kind of like, feels like a politician, you know, kissing the babies, and it sounds nice and cute, but this is actually, in this context, is a little unusual in the way they're doing it. This, this culture at this time did not worship infants like we do. Uh, they were more utilitarian in their view of children, and they thought, you know, children are useful uh, to carry on the family name, and they take care of the family when the parents get old. Uh, but when they were infants, they couldn't really do anything. They were useless and not very important. And so they didn't have a high value of, of children in the culture at this time. And so here the image we need to have is, is this, that Jesus is teaching his disciples and whoever else was gathered around and people were interrupting him. Mothers were interrupting him with their infants, with their, with their newly born babies, that Jesus would touch them and bless them. And the disciples of Jesus are saying to these women, listen, stop it. You can almost hear them, don't you see that Jesus is teaching us about stuff? We don't got time to be interrupted by these unimportant infants. They, they are nothing to us. Let us sit at the feet of Jesus and let him teach us. And uh, Jesus is seeing this kind of thing unfold before him, this commotion. And he responds like this in verse 14. He says, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. This is pretty strong language uh, in the text, that he was indignant. This is similar language to the language that Jesus used when he rebuked Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan. It's got that kind of energy behind what Jesus is saying. He's adamant. He said, let the children come to me. They should not be kept from me, for to them belongs the kingdom of God. It's just pretty strong language from Jesus. What does that mean? And why is Jesus so angry about this? Well, Jesus is so angry because the very ones that they despised, the ones that are, were the ones that they're supposed to actually admire. The, the ones that they tried to keep away are the ones that Jesus is holding before them as examples, models, for to them belongs the kingdom of God. All right, that kingdom that Jesus is proclaiming, the, the kingdom that Jesus is coming to this world to proclaim and to call people to submit to, he's saying it belongs to these infants. And he kind of doubles down on this again with emphasis here in verse 15. Truly, which is for our word, amen, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So not only is he putting infants forward as our example for, for being model citizens to, to Christian maturity, but he's saying if you want to come into God's kingdom, you actually need to be like them. They are the very way into the kingdom 
What's so stunning is Jesus doesn't hold up the religious elite who he's encountered in the story just before this as being the model citizens to strive for piety of, of, of the Pharisees, nor does he hold up the, this is the, the story after, which is this rich young man who's a Jewish man of, of faith. He doesn't hold up that, that rich young man either. He holds up an infant. Well, why, why an infant? What does this mean? I mean, they're hardly models for us. They can't do anything themselves, can they? They can't bathe themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't keep themselves alive. They're completely dependent on their parents for everything. They're weak. They're needy. The only thing they can do is make dirty diapers. And Jesus says, yes, and this is exactly what makes them model citizens of my kingdom. This is exactly why the kingdom belongs to them. Jesus is saying, unless you are as dependent and needy as an infant, unless your status is that of a helpless child, you cannot come into the kingdom of God. True Christian maturity for us is actually modeled by the children. This is all backwards. It's all upside down. You know, in, our, in the kingdom of the world, what do we prize? We prize power, independence, strength, right? And, and we say this is what it means to be mature. And Jesus says, no, it's the opposite. To grow in Christian maturity means you need to be weak. You need to be needy. You need to be desperate, right? The kingdom of God isn't for those who have it all figured out. It's for those who are desperate and needy. Because the ones who have it all figured out end up having no need for God's kingdom. I mean, why would you need God if you have it all together already? True maturity isn't growing independent. True maturity is growing in your dependence on God for all things. And Jesus is serious about this. And because he's serious, we need to be. He says it's the only way into his kingdom. Unless you approach the kingdom of God like an infant, you will miss it. You know, and we understand this actually pretty well when we first enter the kingdom of God, right? Nobody becomes a Christian because they're convinced of their own righteousness and strength, right? You become a Christian because you know that you don't have it all put together. You, you become a Christian because you know you need help that, that you can't fix yourself. You need the righteousness. And it's that our neediness and weakness that actually brings us into God's kingdom. We know this, but for some reason... As soon as we walk through those doors, as soon as we become Christians and we join God's kingdom, we almost immediately adopt the world's version of maturity. We think that growing in Christ means growing independent of our need for him. We think Christian maturity actually means needing Jesus less in our day-to-day lives. Of course, no one here would ever say that, right? If, if we were taking a test, no one would write that on the exam. But I think we function like this. There's a lie that we believe in our hearts and, and we live out that, that the more mature you become, the less you actually end up needing Jesus. And the way this ends up bearing out in your life is the way we view our own sin every time we make mistakes. Because whenever we fall into sin and fail, there's a temptation to despise yourself. Not just to de- despise the sin, but you end up despising yourself. And, and you know one of the reasons for this is because you hate being needy. Uh, you, you hate needing to ask for forgiveness over and over and over again. You get mad because you, you think you should be past your need for God's grace. You should be past your need for forgiveness. And the problem with this is that we end up weaning ourselves from needing the grace of God. Not that we shouldn't grow, right, in the fruits of the Spirit. Not that we don't grow and die into our sin. But the more we grow in righteousness, the more we grow in our understanding of just how needy we are. And Jesus is coming to you this morning and saying, listen, you have it backwards. The Christian journey is a backwards journey. It's like the Benjamin Button who was born an old man and died an infant. This is the, the model for us. 
The more we mature in faith, the more needy we become, not the less needy. The more you mature in the faith, the more you realize how desperate you are for grace. You never grow out of your need for this. The Christian, Christian maturity is a journey backwards to deeper dependency, to fuller helplessness, a journey into deeper grace. And in this, it's a paradoxical journey. It's a slow journey of having Christ formed in us. It's, it's saying, like an infant needs her mother, so I need Christ. And this is why Jesus holds up an infant as our model this morning. And this is what we ought to strive for. This is what we have to become to enter his kingdom. And so the, the next question then is this. Well, how do we do this? How do we grow into this kind of maturity? How do we grow into deeper dependence? Well, if dependence, right, if an infant defines what Christian maturity is, is then it's going to change everything in how we practice faith in our life. And this, uh, a few of these, these examples are borrowed from others, but here's a, a few places that we can apply this truth to where it bears out in our life. Uh, first, the way we think of our own weaknesses. If dependence is what we are aiming for, our weakness is no longer something that you're ashamed of. Being weak isn't your enemy, it now actually becomes your friend. It's, it's, this means you don't have to hide your weakness from each other. Growing into God's kingdom teaches you to believe this more and more so that weakness is no longer your shame, but it actually becomes your trophy. Your own weaknesses become blessed companions to you. And you all have areas of weakness, believe it or not. Even me, believe it or not. And the thing is, we all try to hide them, right? We don't want everyone to, we let people see some of our weakness, we want them to know, hey, look, I'm a little bit humble. Here's a little bit of my weakness. But we rarely let people all the way in to see everything. And here is this urging that we can. God is saying, you can face this. You can face this because being weak is now good. Being weak prepares you for God's kingdom. It reminds you of your dependence on Christ. So, so, so our first step is we don't need to hide our weaknesses with each other. Secondly, it changes our understanding of our own suffering. You know, in our world, comfort is our highest goal. It's what everyone strives for in their money, in their resources, in how we use our resources. We strive for comfort. It is the goal of the world. But in God's kingdom, helplessness is the goal, dependence. And anything that brings us to be more helpless and dependent on God now actually can become a blessing for us. The fires of life don't destroy us, they refine us. Suffering is now a means of growing and maturity. That doesn't mean we're reckless. It doesn't mean we invite suffering into our lives. But when it comes for us, and it will come for all of us, we see its true purpose. It strengthens our dependence on Christ. And this is always good for us, even if it's painful. And so the second encouragement is that we don't need to run from suffering, but we can embrace it because Christ is there with us. This view of Christian maturity also shapes how we understand our own sin as well, right? In the world, we hide failures. We suppress shame. In the world, we, we hide our struggles. But in the kingdom of God, our goal is helpless reliance on the grace and mercy of God. This means that we can actually confess our sins to one another. You know, I'm, I'm more and more convinced that this idea of confessing sin to each other uh, and being open with, with each other about our failures is one of the primary ways a community like ours actually learns to apply the gospel in our lives. Because a community that confesses sin to each other, that confesses its faults to each other, is a community that believes in the gospel. 
that trusts that God's steadfast love endures forever, that even if this community rejects me, God doesn't, and so I can step out and confess my sin because I'm confident in the gospel of, of Christ. And I'm confident that it's not my sin that defines me, but it's actually the steadfast love of God that now defines me. The mercy and grace of God that is immeasurably larger than our own sin. And in this, you don't actually need to be scared of accountability, but you can invite it. You can, you can come and tell me what my blind spots are. Just be gentle when you do. Uh, it's, it's just another opportunity for us to grow in our dependence on Jesus. We can say to each other, show me my sin. And this is the attitude that has grown in us as we mature in Christ. You know, if, if the measure of Christian maturity was the Pharisees, well, uh, good luck being as pious as they were, right? But here, Jesus sets the bar low for us, right? To be an infant. Anyone can do that. Anyone can be an infant. I can't do much, but I can admit my need. I can admit that I'm a mess and I am weak. And yet, strangely, few things are as, harder, are as hard as owning our weakness, of being needy. And this actually leads to how we view community and why we need community, Christian community to help us grow in Christian maturity. You know, the world prizes autonomy. Uh, we, we all, we, you know, it's the, the motto, you do you, right? But if our goal is dependence, if our goal is to kill our self-reliant tendencies, this means that dependence on God will work itself out in community. You can't practice your need. You can't grow in your, in your neediness unless you have people to practice with. This is where we learn to lead with weakness, to walk with limps. This is where we learn and have a place to confess sins and remind each other of the infinite grace of God. This is why we gather each week, right? This is not just an option for the Christian, but the growing and mature Christian says, I will gather come hell or high water because I need to, because I'm nothing without this community. Because it's in our weekly gathering that we, what do we, we receive what the children receive here at the final verse in verse 16. It says, and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. That's what we need. Jesus takes the, the infants in his arms, he touches them and he blesses them. When we gather each week, this is what Jesus does. He brings us to himself and he touches us and he feeds us and he fills us with the gospel truth that being needy is good. Right? He came for you. He came for the needy. And yet, needy, being needy is so hard for us. It's hard to learn to depend on others. But for this very reason, Jesus stepped out of heaven and was born an infant. Jesus himself embraced what it means to be needy, what it means to depend on a mother, what it means to be hungry, what it means to be disappointed. Right, the one who created all things and even now sustains all things became fully man, became weakness so that you might be saved. He took on weakness to the point of death and because Jesus did this, you too can face your neediness. Not by your strength, but by his. Right? Because Jesus is strong, you can be weak. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. Christ did that already, and so we're called to come and to rest in his finished work, to let ourselves be needy, to rest in his kingdom as an infant rests in her mother's arms. May we, as a community, learn to mature 
into infancy, to mature into our need. May we learn to prize anything that God brings into our lives that help us grow in this, be it pains in the body or the soul, and may we model this better way, this lasting kingdom way to the watching world around us. Pray with me. Merciful, gracious Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your word. Your word that encourages us, your word that strengthens us, your word that challenges us. We pray that you would give us your strength, your power to be weak, to be needy, and to strengthen each other in weakness. By the power of your spirit, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen.